Hey, all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. Welcome back, Nature Nerds, to another episode of You're Going to Die Out There. But you're not. But you're not. I have a little something to share with you, Jen, that I've actually already shared with you. Oh. And, like, I was going to wait to share with you on the podcast, but then we had, like, kind of a weird break because you were moving. I was off-island. There's, like, a lot of things going on. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just can't keep this in any longer. I have to tell you. And then I just told you, and it was, like, a moment of happiness for you. So I just want to relive that real quick. Okay. It's that I started watching Vikings. Oh, right. Okay. I was like, what am I, what happiness am I reliving? (laughs) That seems like a long time ago. I, it seems like a month ago, <laughs> pretty sure. But I just want to say thank you. You're welcome. And finally. I'm almost to season six. And then uh, I'll have to watch Vikings Valhalla. Valhalla. But yeah, it is an entertaining show. It's I, so You good. are right. It's totally up my alley. I actually did make some notes. And Ragnar, a.k.a. what's his name, is... Really hot. So amazing. When I knew that I was going to talk about it on the podcast, I, I pulled out this little thing of notes that I just showed to Jen. I made these little notes. It just says Vikings notes, things I liked. <laughs> 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 Number one, I wrote Floki can't keep a secret. That's funny. <laughs> and this and, is like early on. And right? also, we now you know why we named our dog Floki. Yeah, it makes sense. Because I, I totally get it now. Yeah, because that was when we got him. I think we had just finished watching it. Yeah. A couple of years ago. Yeah. So it took you that long. (laughs) Anyway. And also, um, yeah, my husband, that's his favorite character. Well, and and Floki is like kind of out there. He's an out there dude. Totally out there. And the brother of Eric Northman. Yes. I mean, (sighs) not the real Yeah. Yeah. Alexander Skarsgård. Skarsgård. He's of the naked family. (laughs) That's right. They walk around naked together. Uh Um, I also wrote, this is from episode, episode, season one. The Uh Earl, they planned to behead in Paris, and he played a trick on the guy holding his hair. I Do you remember? Oh, no, this was maybe season two. Uh, Do you remember the guy when they go to Paris and they're going to execute one of the Earls in Paris? They're going to behead him in the square. And he's like, I need somebody to hold my hair. Like, I want to have an honorable death. Like, Uh he was totally cool with it. He's like, whatever, I'm going to die. It's fine. Uh And they, like, hold his hair. And then right at the last minute, the guy is holding his hair, right? And he, like, jerks his head back. And the guy with the axe cuts off the other guy's hands. Do you remember that part? It's like, wait, you have to wait. Barely, And I I laughed at that. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, ha ha. (laughs) They cut off his hands. (laughs) It was actually really gory. But it was... The whole show is... So funny. Very gory. Yeah. That's why my mom's like, you know, I think it's just too gory for me. I'm like, really? It's so so good. good. I also love that Ragnar just constantly does side eye to everybody all the time. I think that's why I love him. It's so funny. That's my my thing. (laughs) It's like he's always like inside joke. But like with himself. Right. It's hilarious. Yes. I wrote Queen K makes me laugh. So that's the queen that they ended up killing later. The the English queen that was like, oh, I need you guys to go and help me with my kingdom. And she like maybe had a son with Ragnar, but we don't oh, know if it's a lot. Right, right, that right. one. Okay. That one. Yeah, I think yeah. I need to rewatch it. She was random. I said I kind of love King Eckbert, the, oh, uh-huh. the one English. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um and I also really love the love that Ragnar uh, had for Athelstan. 
Oh, like, for his bro- the that bromance. started out as a, as a slave, and then they yeah yeah, yeah. that yeah. was like a nice little bromance there. It was. I was very sad, very sad when Eccleston yeah. died. I know, I but it keeps kind of coming back. He does, yeah. Well, because he has a kid, yeah, which becomes a king, and full it's circle. so insane. All of these like things that are so. Going on. There's another one that. So this other one that my husband started watching right after that, and mm-hmm. I would always fall asleep. So then when I w- caught bits and pieces, <laughs> I was always really confused. But it's like The Last Kingdom or... It's like of the same characters, but at right. different times. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of confusing because the timelines are different right. than the ones for Vikings. For Vikings, yeah. And then Valhalla even... It's all kind of confusing. Yeah. I'm just like, yay, Vikings. <laughs> You're like, cool. Cool. <laughs> I just keep thinking about, like, how long did it take them to braid each other's hair? That's a lot of braids. I always... Complicated braids. Yeah, their hair. The women's hair is cool. Yeah. But also, I noticed they're just wearing, like, they have, like, pierced ears, earrings. Right. And I'm like, "Mm, (laughs) Did you guys pierce your ears? Like, Was that really a thing? I don't know. But... Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it was... uh, It's a fun watch. So, I will uh, now second Jen in recommending that (laughs) something people should watch. Yeah, it's really good. I'm gonna... I might start watching it again. Yeah. Well, and it, plus it's a History Channel show, so yeah. there are some accuracies. You know, there's definitely, they get, they take some liberties with the storyline, but there are actual historical events that they're like, okay, this is like a thing that happened. Yeah. And also, it isn't as gory or um, salacious, if you will, as like Game of Thrones. Like, I could watch it and my son is in the room and it's not super crazy. Like, the, you don't see, you know, boobs or... Right. Just full on people's faces being smushed. <laughs> I never, yeah, I never got through, through Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, and lot. it's not that I didn't, and not that I can't. Hit, just I just never, I never watched, I never got into it. But yeah. I should. Oh, I meant good. to during the pandemic. I was like, we're gonna watch it, but we ended up watching all that stuff, and mm-hmm. I don't know what else. Well, maybe we'll have another pandemic one day, and then <laughs> I was, watch all the shows. <laughs> we were busy just looking at memes all through, yeah, the pandemic <laughs> and laughing, <laughs> sending them to each other. <laughs> Oh, the pandemic of memes. Okay. Thank you, Megan, for that. You are welcome. I'm so glad. Do you feel vindicated? I do. I do, finally. Because I hardly watch stuff, and so I felt like, you know, this is the thing. Just watch the show. Yeah, watch it already. But I have a story I'm ready for your story, yeah. This is one that I'm surprised we haven't done yet. And the whole time I was putting it together, I was like, did Megan already do this story? (laughs) Like, it's vaguely familiar. Yeah. So if if you did do it, then just stop me, and we'll just end this. We'll, we'll just, end it right. We'll just, it'll be, I'll come back tomorrow with a new story. <laughs> it'll be a, a six-minute podcast. Right. All right. It'll just be about you watching Vikings. But the best the best is that probably even if I did do the story, I don't know that I'll remember. Guys, listen. <laughs> if you... I mean, I don't know. Do you have to be any age to be forgetful? Like, I, it's, I just... I think so many just, things right. going on. Yeah. And just really forgetful. I mean, <laughs> it just... Yes. It happens. It happens. We do keep track. I mean, we do have a list of all these things, but we mm-hmm. name them such crazy stuff. We never know what it, we forget later what it's about. I don't know. I don't know what half the stuff. Well, and then sometimes we we'll, live in the moment, basically. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes we'll run into people who have listened and we know them IRL. 
And they'll be like, hey, I remember this episode, la, la, la. Or they'll like send we, us a message. We just, we just like, uh-huh. <laughs> they'll like reference something in an episode. And I'm like, what the hell were we talking about? Like, I don't even I know. know. Sometimes it's kind of embarrassing. We're almost to 100 episodes. We are. I mean, technically, if we counted all of the episodes that we're we've past. done, we're past 100. But if we count like the, you know, specifically full if we counted our Patreon episodes for, oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. we've got a bunch of those. Yeah, guys, sure. go check it out. Same extra things. Okay, so right. this okay. one I'm going to talk about. It's a Lost at Sea okay. episode. Always fun, and it has to do with um, a lot of people getting eaten by sharks. Oh, oh. So I don't think you did. I don't that think one. I did. Yeah, no. So the main, the main two people I'm going to talk about is this lady called Deborah Scaling Kylie. That's like our Deb. Deborah Kylie. I'm going to call her Debbie because I watched, <laughs> I read about this and then I saw that they had done an episode on, oh, what is it? Discovery Channel or one mm-hmm. of those channels that was ID. I don't know. But it was one of those that was like, I shouldn't be alive. Oh, right, right, right. Those are fun. They're way over the top, mm-hmm. but they do interview the actual people. They do the reenactments they, though, right? But then the reenactments are, <laughs> they're a lot. Just I saying. love I love a bad reenactment. There's just a lot. So Debbie Kylie, I'm gonna just call her that throughout, and Brad Kavanaugh. And so this is going back to 1982. When Debbie and Brad. <laughs> Debbie and Brad <laughs> went through some shit. Okay. That's amazing. So Debbie was born in January 21st, 1958, in Throckmorton, Texas. Oh. Don't know. Never heard of it. It's Throckmorton. One of those real small. Yeah, Texas I guess. Towns. But if you're from Texas and you're like, no, it's not. It's actually pretty big. I'm, it's I'm like as big as Houston. I'm really sorry. It's the capital. Never of heard it. <laughs> and she, she, it must be down south because mm-hmm. she was really into sailing. And I'm thinking okay. if she was like way, you know, landlocked further up, mm-hmm. which not, I mean, Texas, I guess you can't be, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wouldn't have had access. So I'm thinking it's closer to like Galveston. Houston, Galveston, right, right, right. But she took up sailing when she was pretty young, and she started working as a crew member on yachts. And by the age of 23, she already had like years of experience working and crewing yachts. And she actually earned like a big break because she was uh, sailed 70,000 kilometers in this. It's called, it was called white bread and weren't round. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> it's a world race. Now it's called the ocean race. Oh. And she, in 1981, she became the first American woman to complete that event and she had navigated some of the most difficult conditions, they say, on the planet. Yeah. I know why you think that we've done this episode before. Yes, because of the, the lady. Yes. yes. Who also did basically same thing in the 80s. The 80s. Yeah. And then she was lost at sea and her partner had died. Yes. The, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That's why. Yeah. Because I remember sure. that story and I was like, this is very similar, but yeah. I don't remember all the details of that one, but mm-hmm. I'd have to go back and listen to the episode for all the, <laughs> like the time, the year and all that stuff. Yeah. But they were closer to Hawaii in that area, right? Yeah. They were flying. Because they came it, up on, in, on the coast, on one of the islands of Hawaii. Yeah. Like Big Island or Yeah. Somewhere. That's, I think when I talked about squid. Yeah. I think that's when I was. Yeah. So mm-hmm. these guys are Atlantic. Okay. Oh. I know. So she, yeah, she was like really well known because of that mm-hmm. at 23. So she was like, everybody was like, this girl's like, she was like up and coming, right? She yeah. was the one you would want on your boat. And then for Brad Kavanaugh, he grew up with like a family that was really into boating, kind of a rich, well-to-do mm-hmm. family. And I guess when he was, when his mother was still pregnant with him, they were in a hurricane, like on a boat and survived, oh. which is crazy. He grew up, they say, on 4,300 feet of riverfront property 
in Byfield, Massachusetts. His father was this like reconnaissance photographer, really well known. His name was Paul Cavanaugh. I don't know if people might know that, but he wanted all his kids to know how to sail. That was mm-hmm. his love. A lot of the story, and especially it's more from the perspective of Brad, mm-hmm. is from an article by Kevin Cosquara. <laughs> if I'm saying that right. Perfect. And it's in Boston Magazine. It is a really, really good article. So I ended up pulling most of my information from that and then yeah. piecing some other things in. So they would say about Brad, and this is from his own telling, that from the outside, you know, he was pretty, his family was really well off, like mm-hmm. fancy schools. You know, they had the sailboat, he's new cars, big house, all that stuff. But apparently his dad was a pretty bad alcoholic. Oh, and he said it was really difficult. Like he, the dad was like abusive to the mom and especially when he drank yeah. to the mom and the kids, like pretty bad. And this is back in 50s, 60s. Right, right, right. Yeah. When people just, it just seemed like it happened. So Part I mean, it still happens. Sure. Right. Yeah, but yeah. it's just people were able to hide it back then. Yeah. I think better. Mm-hmm. Than they are today. And I think there were probably less people during that time who'd be like, oh, you need to leave him or take the kids or like it wouldn't have been very economical for her as a single mother. Exactly. It was real hard. And he's well off. Yeah. And people going around drinking their scotch every day. Back then, people were like, that's what a man does. He comes home and like drinks scotch. And nowadays people be like, you have a problem. (laughs) It's like when the doctor asks you how many drinks a week do you have? Yeah, right. (laughs) So he kind of grew up with that background, which plays into this a little bit. But despite that, he, of course, wanted his father's approval. Mm-hmm. I mean, he thought if he got into sailing, that would earn his dad's respect. Mm. Um, he had a sister named Sarah. Maybe she, I don't, maybe she probably still has. Um, he's still alive, so oh. I'm not sure about his sister. But and she was like really good. She was a very good at sailing. And during dinners, like his dad would kind of do or anytime they would he would talk about you know because everybody sat down for family dinners back then right <laughs> <laughs> and dad might have already been a few sheets to the wind by then but he would always talk about the daughter being so great oh wow and mm. not the son so i think he wanted to be that to his dad right in fact brad's sister had sarah had met debbie Kylie, when they, I guess she was part of that race across the Atlantic as well, but maybe she didn't do the whole thing, maybe just parts of it. Right, right, so right. that's how Debbie was the first. So I'm like, well, then why wasn't she the first? Oh, woman? maybe she was on a crew or something like that. Maybe, and maybe. So, yeah. And they, maybe some crews might have done portions like a is that, relay. Yeah. So is that the same thing as the, like they still have it today? It's like a one man boat and you can go across the they Atlantic. They do still together? have it today. Because yeah. I, okay, I followed this girl on our TikTok that we never post on, um, that is doing a single man craft, but you could be on teams and people can do certain legs of it. So maybe it's possibly it's called the ocean race now. So I'm not sure. I think that's what it is. Yeah. But there's like this girl from, I think she's from England or Australia Uh or something. And she's, she's done it a bunch of times. Oh no, maybe she's from the U S I cannot remember. Wow. Anyway. Way to follow. (laughs) I know. I would just like watched her Mm -hmm. videos of like cleaning her boat and stuff and just like all these sharks and it was crazy. Right. Okay. So when she met, when Sarah met Debbie Mm. and they were, you know, became friends, she actually introduced her to the whole family. So she, so Brad had met Debbie before. Mm-hmm. At this time, Debbie was looking for a yacht to work on. And she ended up getting called in to help for this yacht called the Trash Man. <laughs> <laughs> it was a 58 foot 
Alden. I don't know. That means something to people sure, who know sure. yachts. Um, but it was a luxury selling yacht. It had this pine green hull mm. and this very nice teak trim. It was purchased by a billionaire from Texas, and he had hired a captain to transfer the boat from Maine to Florida for the winter. Okay. So, and that was in October of 1982. Debbie had been, so she got hired onto the boat by this captain. She had been in, in Maine. Yeah. So she had been on the yacht for a little bit and things were going really bad. Like the boat's captain, this guy named John Lipos, he was around 26 years old. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, that seems really young. <laughs> Listen, I'm just saying. Jen. Yeah. He was from Portland, Maine, and he was a heavy drinker. <laughs> I just, every time we talk about these captains and they're always heavy, I always think about Captain Ron. Right? That movie, Captain Ron. <laughs> he was a heavy drinker. He was passed out below deck when she first showed up at this Southwest Harbor dock in Maine to report from work. That sounds perfect. She was like, this is going to be interesting. But she's so confident. She's probably like, whatever. Yeah. I can deal with this. I'll take care of the boat. And she's a very strong person. She has a very strong personality and mm-hmm. she's a, just a strong person, right? Yeah. So a little after they set sail, they picked up his, the captain, John's girlfriend. Her name was Meg Mooney. And she was 32 and she was a fashion model and flight attendant. Oh. And she was really cute. Um, and I, I say Meg. was. <laughs> oh, I know. no. She wanted to come along for the trip. Yeah. Uh, from Maine to Maryland, Captain John, I guess he rarely, uh, they say ease the sails. I don't know what that means. Oh, so they were just like going really fast, maybe? I'm not sure what that means, but they say that he relied on the inboard motor a lot. Oh, and it okay. it consistently would sputter and needed repair. Apparently, it broke down a couple right. of times because it's a it's a sailing yacht, like a sailboat. Yes. Okay. So, so I guess like it, you're supposed to like use the wind sometimes, right? Maybe right. So he just wasn't into using the wind. Yeah, I don't know. Or it, it may be that I don't know he wasn't turning them the right way or right. trying to use them. I'm not really sure. Yeah. She said that they had struggled to pick up additional people to help out when they traveled south but she was really worried and was Mm -hmm. like we need some more qualified people to help us because this is things could get worse it's october you never know right and they she knew that when you you know go along the coast of the carolinas you can be exposed to high winds and waves and all that stuff so she wanted some people that knew what they were doing Mm -hmm. not just this one drunk guy right (laughs) (laughs) his poor girlfriend who knew nothing right she was just along for the ride yeah So Brad was actually out walking along the docks of the Annapolis Harbor, and he was with his friend, this guy named Mark Adams. And Mark was in his mid-20s. I think Brad was like 21 at the time. And Mark was from England, and they had met from other races. Hmm. So they were friends, and they're just like, okay, let's go find some work. Let's go get on a boat somewhere and make some money. Yeah. There was a job that Mark had previously found for them, but it fell through and they only got like 50 bucks each. (laughs) So they were like, yeah, we got it. We got to do something. So while they were walking along, like, I don't know what you do. I think maybe when you go to these marinas, there's signs posted, like looking for crew. It's it's like the 80s that, you know, it's not like they can check the It's like hitchhiking. Yeah. They just like, hey, are you guys looking for, they're just walking from boat to boat. That's what I, I think that's what it was. So he saw this, he said, a very attractive woman standing Mm -hmm. by the payphones, and she looked and stared back at him. And she was actually, when she looked at him, she was on the phone trying to call his sister to see if she could come along and help. That's the kind of creepy coincidence. It's a very creepy. So she looked at him and she was like, 
I know you. I'm trying to call your sister. And he's like, oh, wait, I know you too. She is very, uh, she's a very beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. So he's like, she's like, you want to go? And he's like, sure. So unfortunately, she didn't share any of the problems that she knew about. (laughs) Like the engine was bad. This guy's a drunk. The girlfriend's fine, but she doesn't know how to sail. Like all that stuff. So, but whatever. They had a job. They're like, let's go. They're happy to have some work. Mm-hmm. So when they left, the conditions were perfect. Of Everything course. looked beautiful. The, and according to Debbie, years later, she said the weather was beautiful. The boat was fun to steer. It was all great. And also, there was no mention of bad weather, like in the news or anywhere. Yeah. That anything was coming. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I'm sure she checked. Like, she knew. Yeah, yeah. She knew all the things to do. But I'm also like 82. Eh. Right? How far does the radar go out? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, what are you... So it was on their second day that they ran into some trouble. So like I said, two days, there was uh, a tropical storm Mm -hmm. that was beginning to form off of Cape Fear, which is creepy, in the Carolinas. And it was bringing these massive waves out of nowhere. Before they knew it, there was 10 meter waves with a 100 mile per hour winds, like sheets of rain hitting them. The sky was black. So I think it's their second night. So they all went below deck. Even the captain. <laughs> and Brad recalled that he grew increasingly angry because he was only 21 at the time and he was less experienced than the other people. But he thought he was like, he felt like no one had a plan. Right. And no one was like really dealing with it. And he also knew the situation was getting really bad. The motor was dead for the third time on the trip. Mm. And they had already cut off these wind, the mainsail because it was really wind damaged. And so that meant they were just at the hands of nature. Just getting tossed around. Just getting tossed around. So they were just like, well, maybe we can just ride this out and hope that we can survive long enough for the Coast Guard to rescue them. Yeah. So there, <laughs> some of them had been in contact with the Coast Guard for mm-hmm. like every hour since that morning. They knew. I mean, they're like, this is not going well. And a rescue boat was supposedly on the way. And they thought, well, it's just a matter of time. It's all fine. It you know, we just need to we just need to hang on until they get here. And so the storm, I guess, you know how storms are, there's like a pattern. So mm-hmm. he would he said the boat would go up a wave and it would tilt slightly to the port side and then ride down the wave and then right itself. Right. Right. Yeah. And then for a moment it would be kind of like still and quiet because they were sheltered between those <laughs> waves. It, <clears throat> so in the, in the trough. Yeah, yeah. In the valley. In the valley. <laughs> The valley of the wave. The valley of the wave. And so they would relax a little bit. But then the boat went over another wave and apparently it tilted real hard and it never righted itself. Oh, no. And so they could see like the water starting to come through the window and they just braced for impact. The The water broke the window, just shattered it, and it, the water just started rushing in. And that's when they're like, oh, F. We're effed. We're effed. So he said that he jumped from the floor and he was like, I got to go get everybody, like make sure everybody's okay. And this was, like I said, they're right off the coast of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. He heard a mayday, mayday, like a crew member was shouting into the radio and the yacht that the yacht was taking on water. Brad went into Debbie's cabin and Mark, his English buddy, mm-hmm. went to go wake up the captain john which i'm like he was just sleeping i don't know with, he was with his out. girlfriend Let's, yeah yeah and at some point and and it doesn't talk about it in this article but in the i shouldn't have i shouldn't be alive episode yes. apparently meg because the boat was so crazy she fell and hurt her back real bad right 
Like she got hurt. I have 1000% seen this episode. Have you? Yes. <laughs> I'm like, the more you're telling the story, the more I'm like, I have seen this episode. And yes. The reenactments are insane. They're kind of like, <laughs> it's too much. Like, it's kind of hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. That you're yeah. like, I can't take this seriously, but it was really bad. Yeah. So now they're all just like huddled together. They're trying to help her. Everything's going down. And I, the captain tried to activate the radio beacon, mm-hmm. but to give like their coordinates, but the water carried it away. Like it was just all happening very fast, <laughs> yeah. right? The other thing that we'll talk about is that the Englishman, Mark, mm-hmm. and supposedly the captain, John, were wasted. Completely <laughs> wasted. They were like, we're in a storm. Let's just drink a bunch. I guess. So it was more so they talk about Mark being super wasted. Mm. But then other ones talk about that the captain was drunk. Yeah. When they started making their way up to the deck to like get off, Brad spotted this 11 foot, 11 and a half foot uh, dinghy. It's a, was just like a Zodiac dinghy. Mm. And he, it was tied to the cockpit and there was an outboard motor for it, but he, it was going down too fast that he couldn't untie it, like right. get it. And so I guess he was able, he was able to get the Zodiac untied and he lost the grip of it and it floated off, but it didn't go far. Oh. It was luckily kind of close. Yeah. But Mark, who was hammered, had the main life raft that had all of their supplies in it. Yes. Um, and he, it slipped out of his hands and it went down with the yacht. And if you remember the episode, they're like, it had everything in it. Yeah. Everything we needed to survive. Like all the, the emergency foods, like all everything. the supplies, all the things. Yeah, For yeah, them yeah. to survive, yeah. first aid, water rations, food went down, went down with the yacht. Mm-hmm. Because dude was too drunk. So you can hold on to it. It's kind of, I don't know. I know, right? I mean, drunk people are annoying, but that would be just beyond. Dooming beyond. everybody. Yeah. yeah. So they were able to get to that 11-foot dinghy. And Brad talks about it in the episode that he had these boots on and he kicked them off because they were full of water. Mm-hmm. And his thought was like, my dad's going to be really pissed about these boots. Yes. Yeah, because his dad. So we didn't know that nice. from the episode, but right. his dad... You know, there's a lot of history there. When he got to the Zodiac, he yelled at everybody to grab it and they held on to it. But because it was so windy, they couldn't, they kept it upside down so it wouldn't fly away. Mm -hmm. And they all just held on to it and they were able to get Meg. I guess she was too scared. And so they had to go get her and bring her over. That wasn't in this article, but it was on that episode. Mm -hmm. And I know that's true because they interviewed Debbie and Brad. And so you know that Debbie went and brought her back yeah and she held on they were all holding on and it's freaking cold it's the atlantic in october like no thank you Uh, totally i feel like the atlantic in like july (laughs) right (laughs) also still no thank you (laughs) so in that episode debbie said that she had never felt so alone as she did when she saw the last bit of the ship or the yacht just go down yeah and then she's just there at night in a storm holding on to a dinghy in freezing cold water with two drunk guys, <laughs> a scared to death, like, lady. Kind of injured. Pretty injured. Yeah. And then, yeah, her. And then so the guy, Brad, who was just angry. He was like, this sucks. He's like, this is what happens when people drink. <laughs> it's like... Lost the boots. Well, <laughs> yeah. so so it doesn't talk about it in this, but I read it somewhere else that that yacht in particular had these big windows. Right. And there were shutters. And in order to avoid 
water breaking them and it going down, that's the first thing they should have done. They should have shuttered the windows. Um, like there were things in place that should have been done that right. could have kept them from sinking. Right. Right. And the whole time it never talks about it. I'm like, what did this like Texas billionaire think about this? You know <laughs> what I mean? He's like, what the hell? You guys were drunk and sunk my shit or my, my yacht. Right. You owe me a new yacht. But anyway, I mean, who knows? He had really good insurance. I guess so. So during the moments where the wind kind of died down and it got calmer, they would go underneath the boat to protect them from the winds. And there was just like a little pocket of air under there, but there wasn't a lot of space. And at some point, Brad was so mad. Brad was mad. <laughs> he went to the other end of the boat to get distance from them because he was so angry that they were just drunk. Yeah. And they said, according to him, that Mark, his friend, who, you know, was his friend, yeah, was so drunk, he couldn't even do his job the last couple of days. And and the captain didn't know anything about it, probably because he was, like, pretty drunk, too. And so it was like Debbie and him were picking up all the slack and trying to do everything, even though it wasn't, you know, they were there to help. Yeah. Anyway, so it got, you know, colder throughout the night. And then he was like, okay, I have this plan because we can't stay in the water. We're yeah. going to freeze. He got this wire that was on the raft and he put it, like ran it from side to side. And he laid his head on the bow of the boat. I mean, it's upside down. Mm -hmm. And rest, put his body, his lower body on the wire. So I guess to like prop himself up. And then everybody kind of climbed on top of him in a way. Jeez. Or like around him. Yeah. And that was the only way to keep them kind of out of the water. Right. But Meg wouldn't go in. She wanted to hang on to the outside because she was too scared. Oh, no. Because she was claustrophobic. Oh, but then she's getting like pummeled on the outside of the... Uh-huh. Right? Oh. Yes. And so at a point, the oxygen under that would get really bad. So they'd lift it and get another air pocket. Yeah. But at a point... The captain, John, he like swam out from under there because he said he said he was having a heart attack. But I think he was 28. He was like 26. He, I think anxiety. Just like anxiety. Thinking, yeah. And he couldn't breathe. And he was claustrophobic. He's just right. like, I can blah. Like he probably mm -hmm. just couldn't deal. He couldn't deal. Yeah. But by then the storm kind of calmed down. Um, and they decided that they needed to flip the boat and then get into the boat because they couldn't stay in the water anymore. Yeah. And. Actually, it was perfect timing because as soon as they all got into the boat, well, all of them were in there except I think they were climbing in mm -hmm. and Debbie and the guy Mark were still hanging on to the outside mm -hmm. and he kept complaining that she was bumping his legs. Nope. <laughs> oh, no. And she was like, I was not bumping his legs. Like it was so annoying. So she said she looked down like in the water mm -hmm. and she's like, I could just see these torpedo shapes everywhere and she was like get in the boat right now they got in and then she said this is a quote from her the minute we got in there were fins everywhere in the water i don't mean like two or three i mean like 10 or 20 they were everywhere oh and later she also was like there were like hundreds hundreds of them yeah and they were all just like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> so meg it was either, it was kind of confusing. It was either like while she was trying to get away from the yacht that was sinking and kind of sucking her in, or mm -hmm. it was like while she was holding on to the dinghy for so long. Yeah. She had one, and I, I think this one was from the dinghy, but she had a big gash behind her knee. Right. And they said it was like to the bone, but she also had more injuries from holding on to the dinghy and the ropes 
that like wore through her skin, you know, because being wet. Yeah. And it was, she had these like terrible wounds on her legs and body. And they think that because of the blood from her injury, that it may have like brought the sharks Attracted them for sure. For sure. Right. The largest shark in, I guess, what, what they say in the group was banging against the boat and it swam underneath them and tried to hit the boat. And the boat would like lift up and drop back down. I'm sorry. That's just like too smart for its own good. You know what I mean? Like, but wait, I don't know if you remember this, but they held onto the sides. They were like, we need to make it heavier. We need to find something to weigh it down. And there was this like piece of plywood and they decided to make it like an anchor. Mm -hmm. So they tied it to some metal wire and they dropped it to try to add more weight to hold, like steady the boat. Yeah. And as soon as they did that, as soon as they did that, a shark bit it and then swam super fast with them, pulling them through the water like full (laughs) speed. I vaguely remember that part in the episode because it was like comical. It's insane. Yeah. So it was like, it was like fishing or something. Yeah. And so it was like, had grabbed it and was just pulling them and they were fully freaking out. I just can't imagine, like, we just got on this, and this is going to happen? So, finally, it let it go, and they reeled it back in, and this is also funny, because the guy at Mark, (laughs) I don't know if he's still a little drunk or just angry and hungover, he grabbed it and started hitting sharks on the head. I don't know if that (laughs) shark or another shark. Yeah. And he was like, hey, just stop it, because we don't know if that's going to make it worse. Right. But I kind of think it... I've heard that like punching them in the face is a good way to get them to go away. A deterrent, away. right? Yeah. yeah so I'm going to jump over to this other article I read, which kind of talks about the sharks a little bit. So there's this guy, James Sulikowski, I think. He's a shark expert and marine biologist at Arizona State University, which is weird, <laughs> in the desert. Oh, I love it. But he told Newsweek that, yeah, from this story, yeah, what he thinks is that, yeah, the blood may have attracted the sharks, mm-hmm. but more likely it was all the commotion in the water. Right. That attract, you know, they the were like, what's going over there? down, the legs kicking. Right. Yeah. And he said, this is a quote, tiger sharks are one of the three most aggressive shark species out there. And I think I talked about this in the shark episode, so yeah. I didn't go too far down this road. Yeah. Yeah. So you can just go back and listen to that. They typically feed at the surface. The thing with tiger sharks is that they're a large roaming predator. So any type of potential food item that's out there, they're going to go and investigate. And you've got individuals in the water who are trying to stay afloat. They're doing all sorts of things that are creating sound waves that will attract the sharks. So I think that was it. It wasn't, I mean, everybody's like, Meg and your, <laughs> Meg. <laughs> it wasn't me, you guys. Meg and your like bloody legs. Right. <laughs> but it, no. It, yeah, all the things combined, for sure. It was all the things. So Brown was like, look, we just need to stay calm. And we need to keep the boat upright mm-hmm. and we can get out. We can make it because the Coast Guard knows we're here. And earlier in the nighttime, they'd heard planes going overhead, like after the boat, the yacht had sunk. Yeah. And they were like, they're looking for us. Yeah. I'm sure there's a rescue ship. It's going to be here. They're coming. Right. So, but what they didn't know is that at that time that the boat that had been on the way to rescue them, for some reason, there was like some miscommunication. And the effort was called off. Yes. Always so good when that happens. I feel like that's such a theme in these like very close to the shore yes. uh, accidents where they're like, okay, like we're going to send somebody out. And then somebody else is like, oh, no, that boat's been found. It's fine. Like, come back. To shore. That's what happened. So I guess the Coast Guard had 
stop the search because there was a hoax. They say hoax phone call that was called in wrongly that said that the trash men was safe in the harbor. Um, and nobody ever found out who made that call. Just some drunk like guy just on the <laughs> <laughs> right. Just yeah. yeah, maybe they thought they saw it. Right. I don't know, but n- no, no one was coming for them. They had no idea right at that time. He knew that he, Brad, said he knew he needed to keep his mind and his body busy. That's good. We always hear that, right, from these stories. Um, he already had already had blistered lips, cracked hands. They're all messed up. Yeah. All of them. They're yeah. already messed up. They grabbed some seaweed to pull it on board to use to, like, as a blanket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And occasionally they would flip the boat to clean out the urine and, like, a nastiness that was in there. Yeah. And they would scan the water first. I mean, that's smart. Because it seemed like there was like all those sharks. And then once they got in the boat and were stopped moving around so much, this the sharks kind of went away. Right. They're like, all right, I guess nothing here. And so they, they swam away. So what they would do is they would lean back and I guess tug the wire and to flip the boat, rinse it out, and then flip it back over and everybody would get in. <sighs> Probably as quickly as... I'm sure that was insanely <laughs> scary. Well, yeah. And I feel like taxing... I mean, I get why you would want to do that, because you don't want to be sitting in filth. Nasty water. Especially if you have open wounds or whatever, for sure. You want to, like, clean it out. But, like, also the amount of energy you're going to expend to flip the boat and then all get back in the boat. Uh Uh-huh. That's got to be awful. And that comes up later. I guess, you know, he was was doing okay. Mm -hmm. But the others were not. Right. Because imagine, like, you're coming off a hangover. You need some, like... You need you're, or, you're dehydrated. Yeah. You, you're already in a bad spot. So the reason not to drink, number 1010. Jesus. 1010. Right? 1010. <laughs> Perfect. Don't, yeah, don't, don't drink. And we're out at sea because you never know. Right. Something could happen. You're already dehydrated. Mm-hmm. You're already feeling bad. So these two guys were not doing too well. And that's what he talked about. He's like, they were really dehydrated, probably because of all the scotch they drank. Oh, geez. And all the cigarettes they were chain smoking before the ship, before the yacht went down. And also, poor Meg, you know, her leg was really badly cut, was getting infected quickly. Oh. I mean, it doesn't take long, right? Yeah. Um, it was already filled with pus. Mm. And she was getting sicker and weaker, like, really quickly. And they all were laying in this pool of water in the bottom of the boat. Everybody's getting sores, staff infections. It came on real quick. Mm-hmm. And even he said, Brad said his skin was so tender that even if somebody brushed up against him, it hurt. And this was already like three days without food, without water. They're just floating, right? And after like what you said, trying to flip the boat and everything they were doing was like using up all their energy. Mm-hmm. So they're just kind of at this point, they're just like, Bleh. and at this point, they were realizing that the Coast Guard may not be coming. <laughs> they might not be there. Yeah, they might not be coming after all. And so they're starting to they're starting to get a little depressed. They're having a bad time. Having a moment. Right. And what they didn't know also was that the current was pulling them further out to sea. Oh no. So not good. On the fourth day, things went nightmarish. This is when things get real bad. Captain John and Mark were so desperate. Right. They started drinking seawater. Oh no. So the other ones like Meg. She was just out of it, right? Yeah. But Brad and Debbie were like, you guys need to stop doing that. It's going to, like, it might make you feel better for like a second, but it's going to kill you. Yeah. I mean, they knew it was only a matter of time before they would were like 
completely dehydrated. In that episode, Debbie said that she knew that their kidneys would start to shut down. And she was saying that she estimated it would take about seven or eight hours for it to happen. And she Mm -hmm. said that was about right. Oh, God. And so I looked up an article in Mental Floss, because I love (laughs) Mental Floss. Yeah. It was from May of 2021. It was by Ellen Gutowski. And it's like, why you should never drink seawater. I'm ready. Are you ready? Let's go into it. Because I was like, what actually happens? Yeah, what what happens to your body? So... The main element of salt, sodium, mm-hmm. isn't so bad for us. But I mean, it's good, like electrolytes, and it can help regulate your blood volume and body functions. And, you know, because of our kidneys, whatever salt we don't need gets filtered out through urine, right? But it requires water. Right. That's why when you eat like a bunch of potato chips, you feel like really thirsty. Your brain's telling you to drink some more water so your kidneys can flush out all the extra salt, right? Right. So seawater has both salt and water, but it's too salty for our bodies to process using only the water in the seawater, right? Right. Only that water alone. So according to Dr. Christine, it's like C-H-R-I-S-T-A-N-N-E, Christan, Christan, Christine, Christan, Christani. Dr. Coffee. I'll yeah, that. yeah, there you go. She's an assistant clinical professor at UC San Diego's Department of Emergency Medicine and director of its Wilderness Medicine Fellowship. Mm. Seawater salt concentration or salinity is approximately 35 grams per liter. Our blood's salinity, on the other hand, is just nine grams per liter. That means if, and this is a quote, that means seawater is four times saltier than our blood. If you were to drink salt water, this huge increase in salt would shift the water that we need inside our cells to the blood, which quickly affects our brain functioning and basically speeds up death. So you would need to drink like four times the amount of water that you're drinking seawater, like Four times the amount of regular water to seawater. Yes. To be able to filter so all the salt. So you could drink water with salt, but it'd have to be like way less salt right, than right, what's right. in seawater. Right. Seawater. So basically the sodium and water inside your cells needs to be balanced with the sodium and water outside your cells. Right. And when the sodium from seawater enters your bloodstream, your cells will try to maintain the balance by dumping their water into your bloodstream. And then you get more dehydrated. So your kidneys will use the water to excrete as much sodium as possible through your urine, resulting in extreme dehydration. You're just like fully a block of salt. Fully. By the end of it, yeah. So if you accidentally swallow some seawater, like when you're out in the water swimming or doing whatever, you know, that you can avoid that. You you know, you'll get like dry mouth, infrequent Mm -hmm. urination, dizziness, fatigue. By, but you just have to drink some fresh water, right? But if you're a shipwreck survivor stranded at sea with no fresh water in sight, drinking seawater would quite literally be worse for you than drinking nothing at all. It's like you're really you're nailing just, the coffin. Yes, shut. yes. Yeah. Guzzling salt water would cause a much more severe and life-threatening form of dehydration. So... Dr. Coffey says this will rapidly lead to vomiting, delirium, and hallucinations. Mm. And none of those things you want when you're trying to survive at sea. I learned that a long time ago when we read, what is that, the Iliad or the Odyssey, whichever one, mm-hmm. where they're like at sea and then they have that poem that's like, uh, water, water everywhere, not a drop to drink. You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, kind of, yeah. yeah. And everybody goes insane because some of them drank the water. Yeah. And then they died. Yeah. But they went insane first. I didn't know you would go insane, but yeah, I now I know. So creepy. So they say instead of that, you know, 
you would want to pray for rainwater. Mm-hmm. And I guess it rained on them for like a second. Right. And he would like everybody. <laughs> so everybody had their mouths open and Brad was like, it literally like the wind. All I could feel was like wind. <laughs> like none of the water made it in. It was just like wind going in his mouth. And he's like, it was worse afterwards. Like <laughs> it was like, more so dry. dry. Yeah. <laughs> but you could have rainwater if you're lucky. You can also also fish eyes, apparently. Yeah. Have a lot of water in them. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'd have to get over that. Also, they they say they contain low enough salt levels to help hydrate you, like fish mm-hmm. eyes. Mm-hmm. So does flesh of fish, birds, and turtles. Turtles. Yeah, if you can get you a turtle while you're while you're out there, that that you're lucky. But then you have to figure out, like, with nothing, how you're gonna like just start gnawing on open them. the turtle. They yeah. wouldn't be too happy about well, that. Well, it's like, yeah, first you have to kill it. I mean, that's gonna be hard, right? With with nothing. With nothing. Right. Jesus. And then you're just looking, the turtle's looking at you like, you're not, you're not really going to do and that, are you? you looked at me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, poor turtles. All right. Back to the dinghy of death. So soon enough, after drinking the salt water, mm-hmm. and if you recall this episode, they get super crazy. <laughs> yeah. But the director or whoever felt, I'm just like, come on. <laughs> they started having delusions. So Captain John started reaching around the bottom of the boat looking for supplies that yeah. weren't there. Yeah. Perfect. And he said, we bought cigarettes. Where are they? <laughs> Everyone's like, Jesus. They're like, if they're not, what's happening? Yeah. And they're just like, of course, Debbie and Brad are like, we knew this was going to happen. Right. Let's just, I mean, it's just nothing you can do. Right. And then he started trying to convince Meg, his girlfriend, that they were going to take a plane to Maine where his mother worked at a hospital. Mm-hmm. He says, we're going to Portland. He told her, I'm going to get the car. I want you guys to pick up the boat and I'll come back out and I'll get you. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Everybody good? Cool. Good. And then he just went in the water. Right. <laughs> I vaguely remember that. Just He's like, I'll, BRB, <laughs> I'm, go- I'm going to go to the airport. Just the plan that I just told you. Deuces. I'm going to go because I think the airport's like right there. Yep. Well, he went right in the water. And then Debbie was like, can, I can just imagine that she's all like, just completely exhausted. Yeah. Like, kind of like trying to get Brad's attention. Like, Brad, Brad, you got to go get him. Go get John. <laughs> and Brad was like, Ugh. like he had no energy. Yeah. He's like, he didn't even have the energy to try and like convince him to come back. It was just mm-hmm. like, whatever. So he told him, if you go away and die, then I might die too. And I don't want to die. Can you just like, not can you not do all the things you're doing but it was too late they already like the wind pulled them in one direction captain john went another direction until they couldn't see him but then all of a sudden oh no this is a quote all of a sudden we just heard this shrill scream it was like blood curdling and then it was over silence there was no crying nothing but there was no doubt what got him the sharks got him (sighs) Anyway, now there were four. Mm-hmm. Brad had, a, but also like there were four, but Mark, Mark also drank the salt water and he was already starting to. So you might remember this because it's so kind of hilarious and creepy and it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Well, it was creepy, but it shouldn't be funny. But he started hitting on Meg. Meg's like near death. Right. Yes. And yes. he's all up in her, in her face. And he's like, like I heard you're a model. He's like, why don't we just go do it right now? I think it would make you feel better. Right. So he started like trying to get her to have sex with him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This poor woman who's like suffering and about to die. He's just like crazy. And so she's just like, get away. Everybody's like, stop it. That's great. What are you doing? (laughs) We're We're on a life. We're we're all dying. We're all dying here. Like who's thinking about sex right now? Right. Seriously. 
And he was like, and then Brad recalls him saying, great, if we're not going to have sex, then I'm going back to 7-Eleven to get some beers and cigarettes. <laughs> I mean, it's not funny, but, but it's, it's funny. I get it. It's just so. It's ludicrous. It's insane, which yeah. is what it was. Yeah. Because don't drink seawater. Just don't. And Brad's like, you're not going. We're out in the middle of the ocean. What are you talking about? He's like, I know, I know. I'm just going to go hang over the side and stretch my legs a bit. No. And then I'll get back on the boat. I'm just going to stretch my legs. It's fine. So he actually held on to the raft. He got out. They're like, don't do it. You know, there's freaking sharks out there. Yeah. He's like, oh, I need to. Right. So he hangs onto the side of the raft and then he just like slipped into the water. And Brad said that he looks away for a minute to say something to Debbie. When he looked back, Mark was just gone. And not long after that, the the boat began to spin and the water around them was like crazy, like, Mm -mm. shall I say frenzied? Oh, no. Um, And before they knew it, like the sharks had gotten them. The sharks had instantly moved in Mm -hmm. and they were banging along the bottom of the boat and spinning it from basically eating their friend. Yeah. Debbie later said, it was by far the most horrifying moment of my entire life. And they actually thought because there was so much happening under the boat while their friend was getting eaten by sharks Mm -hmm. that the boat was going to tip. Right. And now there's only three of them and Meg can't do anything. Like she's completely out of it. If she goes in the water, it's over for her. Oh, yeah, totally. So somehow it didn't tip over. They're just I mean, they're already in a really bad state. But just having that happen, Mm -hmm. it was just I think it was just too much. Like their brains were like, we can't process what just happened. Yeah. I feel like this story to me is way worse than stories of people who survive for like, you know, a hundred days or something. Right. Because it's like, they're only what day four. Yeah. They have, it's, it's, the, just it's they have the zero supplies. Nothing. It's the choice of drinking the water. It's Meg being injured. It's, it's the just sharks. like, it's like in this case, you're like, wow, we're kind of doomed. So like, you know, in a lot of cases, people are stranded on their own boat. Mm-hmm. And they have some supplies something. or something they can use maybe yeah. to fish with or, you know, like they've they've got some. These people have nothing. Yeah. Like absolutely nothing. Yeah. I think that's the worst thing. Mm-hmm. And so at this point, Meg was just laying there, sh- they say, shivering violently mm-hmm. from the cold. And that night she started having also having severe hallucinations because the infection went into her bloodstream. Yeah. I mean, things were just going from bad to worse. And Debbie said, we were sitting there watching Meg die and it was tragic. She talks about it a lot. I think that bothered her. She felt so sorry for her the whole time. And there was really nothing she could do Mm -hmm. for her. And she, you know, Meg was already in a bad situation and then saw her boyfriend just like get eaten by sharks. Just leave. Yeah. He left and got eaten by a shark. He's like, (laughs) I mean, he was trying to do something good for her. Sure. He was going to the airport. That's really nice. (laughs) You know, but that night when it was all dark... And this is also kind of crazy in the show. But apparently she like lurched at Brad, like jumped and was like scratching at him and screaming. Oh, like the delusions happen. Yeah, the delusion. And I'm sure Brad was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, then she's like started speaking in tongues. Mm. They heard her speaking some language and they're like, and Debbie was like, I'm pretty sure she's speaking in tongues. Like she's going to go any minute now. Yeah. Like it was bad. So in the morning, after that night of craziness and terror, yeah, they woke up and she was dead. Jeez. They said she was laying on her back, in, and this is a quote, in a fetid mess of seaweed, blood, urine, and pus on the floor with her arms outstretched, I don't know, to her sides. And she was staring at the sky. And they were like, 
she's dead. I mean, Debbie was like, she's dead. She's been dead for hours. But for a minute, and I thought it was pretty interesting that Brad talks about it in this article, and he talked about it on the show, that for a split second, he was like, should we eat her? Because he was so hungry. Yeah. But... I get it. At the same time, and Debbie was like, hell no. Like, she's... She's covered in sores. She's oozing. Like, it's gross. Of all the people. Yeah. Yeah. And just, no, we're not, like, I'm not there. No, we're not going there. So instead, they took off her clothes so they could use them to, like, I mean, to cover themselves. You have to use what you can use. Right. I get it. And they took off all her jewelry so they could give it to her family. That's nice. In hopes that they survived. Yeah. Because they thought, well, we might still have a chance. If anything, our dead bodies will, maybe will roll up on this. And they'll say, like, okay, this is who was with them. What? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, and Debbie said, it was such a sad moment because we laid her naked body on the side of the raft and then decided we couldn't just roll her off. We needed some sort of funeral. Mm-hmm. So we said the Lord's Prayer and Psalm 23 and gently pushed her body overboard. We, then we decided to go back to sleep so when the sharks attacked, we wouldn't have to see it. I mean, that would probably be also my plan. Yeah. For, I just, I don't want to be aware. Yep. Of what's happening. Yeah. And they're so weak. Yeah. They're just... Just close your eyes. Close your eyes. And they said she... Uh, this is from the article. She floated like a jellyfish with her arms and legs straight down away over the waves. So they don't know. I mean, I'm sure the sharks got her, but they... Whether they knew or not, they pretended not to. They were just like, no. Yeah. Or not. But they wouldn't have heard anything anyway. Yeah. Because she was already gone. So after Meg died, Debbie was really grossed out <laughs> that she was lying in this water that was like... Yeah. Full of pus and disgusting stuff and somebody dead had been in it. And I feel you. So she like was like, Brad, please, please, let's flip the boat and clean it out. We have to. We can't stay in this. We're gonna get more sick, right? Yeah. And so he agreed to try, even though he was super weak. And so he stood on the edge of the like to try to flip it like they had done before, mm-hmm. but he didn't have the strength to do it alone. And he lost his balance and he fell in the water. Jesus. And when he tried to get back in, he couldn't because he was so weak. Yeah. And he just started freaking out. He was like, every person that went off this boat got attacked by sharks. Yes. I need to get back in. And he was screaming at Dab- Dabby. <laughs> Dabby. 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 He was like screaming at her to help him get back in. But she just, she was so weak. She just sat and she was like sobbing, like insanely sobbing, inconsolably. I doubt she had tears. Because right. Yeah. She's so dehydrated, but she was just like over it. She just couldn't, like she lost it because she couldn't do anything. And she's like, there goes my last person and it's my fault. So with his like last bit of strength, probably just pure adrenaline, he got himself over and back inside the boat and he was so mad at her. And so from there on, like they didn't even talk. Awkward. Yeah. (laughs) So... All of this happened because he was like, all this has happened. We are, we're supposed to look out for each other, protect each other from all this stuff. Like, why did she leave me in the water? That's his thinking, right? Right. But at the same time, she said, later said, I felt like I just doomed Brad to death. If the sharks came back, he was dead. So she was feeling like enormous guilt. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you know, she saw a lot of emotions during these times. So they sat there in the cold, not talking. And then all of a sudden, Brad was like, Deb, look. And there was this big ship approaching them. Oh my God. And they'd seen some ships before, like off in the distance, but none of them were this close. And so it came closer to them. He could see there was a guy like waving on the deck, like saw them. Yeah. 
And then not long after that, there were these crew members from the ship and they were throwing out glass buoys, which I love. Oh, yeah. Nice ones. Yeah. 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 They were throwing them out, but they were like landing too short. They couldn't get them. And so the men, they, you know, pulled them back. They kept trying again to throw these buoys out. And so Brad couldn't move. He was like, I can't move. I'm not going anywhere. That's what he told Debbie. He said it felt like every muscle had gone limp. Like he just didn't have anything left because this wasn't long after he had jumped out or fell off the boat and got back in. Yeah. So he was just completely spent. So I guess the ship made a turn and came closer and they threw the lines again. And then Debbie just jumped in the water and started swimming. She was like, F it, let's go. She's like, and this was a quote. She said, I didn't care who these people were or where they were going. I was there and Brad was there and we were alive. So she's just like, I'm going, going for it. I don't care what happens. So after Brad saw her jump in, then he was like, he's like, F it. He told himself, he's like, I'm going in. So he rolled overboard and managed to grab a line and hold on to it. And they like reeled him in, pulled him up on the deck with Debbie. And then he said that they saw women wearing calico dresses with aprons and steel-toed work boots. And they were speaking Russian. (laughs) And this was at the height of the Cold War. (laughs) They're like, who cares? And they're like, okay. So these Russians, they were actually ice traders. And it was a Soviet vessel. And they were like, yeah, you guys saved us, but the U.S. Coast Guard didn't. (laughs) You know what I mean? They're like, we're now defecting to Russia. (laughs) That's right. So they gave them clothes, medical attention, they, you know, coffee, sugar, and vodka. Mm. (laughs) Which is just kind of random. Hopefully food as well. Yeah. So that night, they called in the Coast Guard. They finally arrived. And, you know, so they went to the, took them to the hospital And that night, the temperature dropped down into the 30s. Oh, they would have died. So, yeah, it's basically they would not have made it one more night. It was crazy. And when they were picked up, they were 140 kilometers south of Cape Lookout. So they had drifted almost 150 kilometers off course. Wow. So they went pretty far out. There's a map showing kind of where they sunk. Right. Or, yeah, where the yacht sunk and how far they drifted. Yeah, it's pretty far. When Brad was at the hospital, his mom flew down, but his dad was busy. He was on a sailing trip. Wow. hmm So, interesting. He went back to Massachusetts, and then he started taking up odd jobs. He was trying to get enough money so that he could start um, traveling onto sailboats, like mm. doing races again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apparently, there was another, the Southern Ocean Racing Conference season and it was in florida it was supposed to start in january which i'm like if they just got rescued in october that's not too far but Mm -hmm. i guess you know i mean honestly i'm only only what five days at sea yeah but it was just a pretty bad five days i feel like the dehydration is the big thing yeah 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 so he felt like there's only one person i need to talk to and that is debbie he felt like he really needed to see her and talk to her and he hadn't seen her since they went their separate ways right so a few months later he went to fort lauderdale for that event because he's like for sure she'll be there Mm -hmm. he didn't have a place to stay he slept in an empty boat parked in a field (laughs) and he was like walking around he saw a magazine i guess sail magazine and it was a picture of him and mark on the cover oh wow i guess it's like it's the 80s. Yeah. It's not like you have internet or anything like that. He just didn't realize it yeah. was a big deal. Yeah. And they were, and I guess it was a picture of them right be, before they had gone to get on the trash man. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know why they name it the trash man. Wow. <laughs> he said it was like seeing a ghost. He walked up and down the docks looking for Debbie and finally he saw her. 
He said his whole body was pumping with adrenaline. This part makes me so sad. At the sight of his former crewmate, and he needed to tell her that he was in love with her. And they had shared something that no one else could ever understand. The bond he felt for her was way deeper than Mm -hmm. anything he'd ever known. So when he went over to speak to her, he was like ready to just tell her all these things and, you know, just be with her. But apparently just the sight of him made her recoil. Oh, Jesus. She, it reminded her too much of Of all that they went through. Yeah. Yeah. And she said, I'm sorry, but I cannot be around you. I don't want you to have anything to do with me. Please leave me alone. Isn't that sad? It's like the saddest end to a possible love story. Yeah. So they said he was, he was very hurt by that. And so he just basically kept looking for other, like going around the docks, looking for somebody to hire him so he could just move on. Yeah. Oh, this is so sad. I'm like, come on, Debbie. (laughs) I don't know. I, I mean, I see her. I can see her point, but also not, you know? I mean, maybe maybe him being angry at, like, certain times in, like, very desperate situation. Yeah. I could see that being a turnoff. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, I, no, no, I totally like, get number it. number one, the whole trauma of everything, for sure. Right. But I could see, like... I don't know. I, I Maybe she just wanted to put it all behind her. Yeah. Like, and move on move with on. her life because it was so bad. Because you, could you imagine they, like, do get together? And then what do you talk about after that? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's it. It could either bring you really close together or just make you never want right. to experience anybody yeah. again. So she became a an author. She wrote some books. She mm-hmm. was a motivational speaker and talked about survival. Yeah. Cool. She was on Larry King Live. And I guess she kept seeing Brad because, um, you know, they were in similar circles. circles. Yeah. yeah. But it's like maybe they just avoided each other. Mm-hmm. Like he was already like, I know how you feel. You told me. I'm yeah, okay. I'm not going to bother you. She eventually settled down in Medfield, Massachusetts. I'm not sure. What it is. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Cape. Sure. I don't know. So she raised a family. She had two kids. One was a son who was also a sailor. And unfortunately he drowned in an accident. Oh, geez. When he was in his twenties. And then three years later in 2012. So that was 2009. So she passed away in San Miguel de Allende, and that's in Mexico when she was 54. And so Brad, I hadn't heard right away. He was walking out of a marina at Newport in Newport, Rhode Island, and somebody told him about it, and he was really sad about it. He mm. was like, you know, he loved her. Yeah. I think he probably still did love her, you know, to some extent. And there was no information about what happened in her obituary or cause of death. It just, and if you look up anything, it just says her death was undisclosed. Right. But he said that there were whispers among family members of suicide, but he didn't, nobody knew that for sure. So he said that no one could have saved her. She was still tortured by those days lost at sea. I honestly think it could have just been that her son died. I mean, that seems I'm kind of like more probable. Yeah. Just a lot of trauma in her life. A lot of trauma. But I feel like if, if that's what happened, which we don't know, And that's just between her and her family. But I feel like it would be the loss of her son that would have affected her the most. Yeah. I can't imagine. But I'm speculating. Losing a child. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But because she was a really strong lady. And if you remember that, when you listen to her talk, I mean, Mm -hmm. she was just like, she was very cool, very strong, all those things. So a few years later, Debbie's daughter gave Brad a frame and inside it was the 
metal wire that he had used to rig and suspend oh, them. Yeah. And she had kept it all those years and framed it and hung it on her wall all those years. And I feel like that probably meant something to him. Like, yeah, she did care. She did care. It was just too hard. Right. Apparently, Brad, he's still alive today. Mm-hmm. He is so pissed why the Coast Guard never showed up. Oh, he still shit. wants to know what happened. Oh, they he's say the- he's hell bent on learning like why, like what happened. There's just like one guy working at the Coast Guard who just <laughs> effed it up. And there, and he's like, nobody wants to say that guy's name, you know? Uh-huh. Like, I know. Oh. So he he has two kids and married a school teacher, had a good life, still, you know, kept up with the sailing and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. In the episode, again, he said, it's not something you just turn off when it's over. You keep living in that survival mode. I don't know if you're shell-shocked or what, but it's impossible to just go back on being the person or the way you were before. Mm. So there are some movies. So there is... <laughs> some fun movies. So there's this movie that came out in 2019, and it's called Capsized Blood in the Water. It was a Discovery Channel. It was like kind of tied in. It's a movie that Discovery Channel made in connection with their Shark Week stuff. And right. I try, I see it, but I can't see where I can watch it. I couldn't find it streaming anywhere. I was Capsized. like... Capsized? Yeah, capsized to blood in the water. I found other blood in the water things that were had nothing to do with this, but it was like, yeah, you'll find it on Prime. And I looked and uh, Netflix. And you're like, and, uh, lies. It's all lies. Like, I can't find it anywhere. And then there's another one called Two Came Back, and that was from 1997. And that was starring Melissa Joan Hart. I love it. <laughs> Check that one out. There's uh, another one from Discovery Channel. It was from their Shark Week, and it's called Shark Survival, and that's 2009. I think that was more like interviews and a clip. Yeah. Her books, the first book she did in 1994 was called Albatross, The True Story of a Woman's Survival at Sea. And that's what that Melissa Joan Hart movie was based on. Right, right. And then there's another one she wrote called No Victims, Only Survivors, 10 Lessons for Survival. Mm. So I didn't read anything. I only watched the, the I Shouldn't Be Alive. I Shouldn't Be Alive episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was good because she's in, I mean, her and Brad talk I, about it. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture of her and I remember that she was like very. Oh, she's very together. Like, these are the things. Yeah. yeah. And she's, I mean, she's really cool. Like she's, she's somebody that I would go watch her talk. For sure. Yeah. She's like very straightforward in that yes. episode too. Like, yes. no, this is the deal. These are the things. Yeah. 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 I mean, the interviews with her and Brad are really good, mm-hmm. but the. The recreations are, <laughs> it's, yeah, comical. Co- they're ridiculous. It's over the top. It's, it's like, and a I lot. and yeah. I feel like that's why I never watched that show. Really, yes. yeah. And I only went back and watched this episode because I was reading about it, and I was like, oh, I'll watch this. But normally, I don't watch those because they're just they're kind of too much. Mm. So I have an organization to support. Oh, let's hear it. It is the Polaris Foundation, and no, I could not find it on Charity Navigator because it's <laughs> I think it's based in the UK. Yeah. It is polarisfoundation.org, and they are addressing the unique opportunity to pair with marine or to pair marine scientists and conservation experts with private yachts to conduct research. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So they're reaching out to yacht owners. And so it says if you're a yacht owner, work on board or no scientists with a prospective project, please contact us. So some of their projects include, there's this Red Sea check with um, Cordio, and Cordio is the coral reef degradation in the Indian Ocean. Hmm. Um, They're looking at coral reef health. There's also a shark nursery research in the Galapagos, and they're learning about, I think, scalloped hammerheads, which we know are endangered, and black tip sharks and 
they say there's little known about the region's juvenile nursery grounds. And so they need scientific research and a vessel to accommodate. So I think I know that when my husband went to do the forest inventories in the Marshall Islands, Mm -hmm. they basically hired a yacht, these people to take them around to all the islands. Yeah. And I think that could be part of it. Right, that right, people right. who are already out, just they're sailing, they can bring researchers mm-hmm. or scientists onto their their yacht and take them around, or maybe um, they can be like citizen scientists and collect information if they see it. Right, right. Like you see sea turtles, mark it. You see the whales, mark. You know, so that way they're collecting that information for people who are already out there. Right. Which I think is, I love that stuff. I don't know if you remember when we were in Peace Corps and Paul Allen, the guy like worked for, oh, yeah. right, he brought his yacht mm-hmm. to where we, and it was like. It was called the Octopus or something? Something like that. That's the yacht I would want to do. <laughs> oh my, that from. one had like its own submarine, it, it helicopter. Landing pad. It had everything. It had a little boat inside of it. Yeah, it like, was insane. Like a little And the crew boat. was yeah. huge. Just what, I mean, we drove down there and just like looked at it. And, yeah. and like next to it was the was the boat that would go out to all of the outer islands and back. Yeah. And it was like so a tiny. fourth of the size. Uh-huh. Yeah. And we were like, whoa. Yeah, that thing was insane. That was nuts. That's you know what, Jen? I'm gonna donate my yacht. <laughs> this is... Well, there's two more. There's That's also amazing. there's one in Antarctic whale research program Ooh. that they're collecting, I think, skin samples and blubber to like basically look at contaminant levels in humpback and mink wells. Oh. They're still doing a bunch of stuff. Um, and then there's the last one is a reef protector, marine research in Mozambique. And they're also doing a lot of cool stuff. Sorry, there's one more after this. I copied them all down. We can put them in there or else you can just go to their site and look at it. But it's all really interesting. There's um, the last one, Australia's Great Reef Census. Oh, cool. So anyway, like collecting data. I, th- I love citizen science. Yeah. I think it's so helpful to have eyes everywhere. Well, and it, it's All like, you need to do is ask people. People love doing it. Yeah. You just need to ask. It's exciting. Yes. Yeah. So. Anyway. Unless it's my son coming with me to a bat count and we never see any bats. And then he says, is this what you do for your job? <laughs> I was just Listen, telling someone recently. You that. don't win them all, okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's just how it is. But yeah, I love that. So go check it out. And that's you can donate cool. and all that. So, you know. Yeah. Next time you're on your yacht, yeah, let them know. You know, when I'm, when I'm tooling around. Yeah. On my yacht? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That's totally how they say it, where we used to stay, <laughs> on your yacht. On your yacht. So, Megan. So, Jen. Now we're at that time where I'd like to know, mm. what would you mm. have brought in your emergency preparedness kit, even though you didn't have one, but say you did, you could have one thing, what would it be? One thing, what would it be? The well, whole water. time, what I'm thinking, <laughs> just water, number one. No, the whole time, what I'm thinking that I would really want is like one of those water pumps that you put and you like drain oh, out. God. You drain out fetid all the, water. Yeah, just a just a, a a water pump for the fetid water. That's Ugh. what I would want. Just keep it dry. A thousand percent. Um, a baler. You could I, even just use a baler. Just anything. Yeah, something. Ugh. Anything to scoop out or ideally pump out the water. Just the idea. Too bad of there wasn't sitting. so much plastic trash in the ocean back then. <laughs> <laughs> they could have. Yeah, you, you know, what? found something just to scoop out the water. <laughs> just a, somebody's nowadays laundry it'd be easy. Bottle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just scoop it out. Yeah, no, definitely. That's what I would want is a uh, 
a water pump for the fetid water. When I was in Hawaii and I worked at this one place, our courtyard would flood mm. if there was a lot of rain. We were just like in the wrong, wh- whoever built that building, I don't know, or the just like the, the drainage. engineer. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah. It would always fill up. We would always have to get a pump and I would just like stand there and like watch it. It was fascinating to me. Oh, wow. Because it would just be like really gross water. We'd just, just be pumping it out into the... <laughs> Get it out of here. Street. Yeah. But that, that's what I would want. Okay. I would want a water pump for the fetid water because... So that's the name of our episode? Yeah, I think a so. A water pump for the fetid water? For the fetid water. Yeah. <laughs> Such a great word. Fetid. Fetid. Yeah. Ugh. So gross. I feel like I feel like uh, we just talked about fetid stuff in our most recent Patreon bonus Yeah, episode. our Patreon yeah. bonus episode was all about some pus. Some, it's so much pus. What's going on with this? I don't know. I don't <laughs> the know. Theme, the it, theme. It is. Mm. Yuck. Well, anyway, thanks. So, yeah, that was a great episode. I totally... Uh, you can see the parallels, but not... Yeah. In the beginning. Yeah, I'm like, how do I know this? I know this from... But yeah, it's very similar. And I, why can't I remember that woman's name? And oh, <sighs> that was a sad story. That though. was a sad story. And she had um, at least, you know, some supplies. Yeah. To make it. That's the thing. It's a lot of people... Mm-hmm have some supplies that yeah i feel like wow. they're just really lucky like really made it out in the nick of time yeah i mean they definitely would have they would perished have, for sure <laughs> Man. yeah one more night if they hadn't been found by a russian ship interesting perfect <laughs> all anyway, right yeah thank you so much jen that was great you're welcome you're gonna die out there is produced by us jen and megan and edited by the talented and super nice guy jonathan pillsbury thank you jonathan Yay. Uh, all of this is possible because of an amazing group of nature nerd patrons. If you would like to be part of our super cool nerd community on Patreon, just go to our website at you're going to die out there.com or you can check our link tree on our Instagram page, which is kind of amazing. It is. I'm sorry. But it is. Uh, another way you can support is by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Uh, if you do, Jen will send you a really kick-ass sticker. You just have to send us your mailing address. I will do it if I forget. Hey, if you left us a review and I didn't send you a sticker, send us an email. Let me know. Just let me know. Uh, also, we would love to hear from you. We get a lot of our stories from listener suggestions. A lot. We kind of steal them. All the time. Yeah, Um, because they're so good. So if you would like to do that, go to our website. We have a contact page at you'regonnadieoutthere.com or an email, you'regonnadieoutthere at gmail.com. And at the beginning of the episode, we give you a shout out. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And until next time. Don't die out there. Bye. Bye.